everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. Today's show is extra special because I nabbed some time from one of my very good friends who may be the busiest guy I know. His name is Dr. Mark Mani, and he is a board certified Beverly Hills plastic surgeon. He was just named one of the country's 10 leading plastic surgeons by Forbes magazine. Dr. Mani was also selected by actress Gwyneth Paltrow as the plastic surgeon to see in Los Angeles on her website, goop.com. Now, Dr. Mani and I met each other, I think it was back in 2004 when we both were fairly new in the beauty bees world in Los Angeles. And We have done some pretty cool projects together. And the one thing I have to say about Dr. Mani is he is there for me whenever I need support in my beauty biz world. He is the guy that I send my clients to when they need work done. I can call him and pick his brain on the latest trends when I'm curious about something. And he helps me feel like a more knowledgeable esthetician. So like I mentioned before, it was really, I felt so grateful and so thankful that he took the time just to share what's going on in his world, his world of plastic surgery here in Beverly Hills, California, and in Dubai. He has a practice in both places. So I think you're going to find the show really interesting today. And if you want to know more about Dr. Mani, you can visit his website at marcmani.com, markmani.com, M-A-R-C-M-A-N-I.com. But for now, just stay tuned and enjoy the show. Like I said, extra special because this is a busy guy who took time out of his day to share some trends happening in our beauty biz world with us. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Crete. I am a licensed esthetician, spa owner, and beauty biz industry coach, consultant, and educator. I'm so excited to share my love of all things beauty industry related with you. So I invite you to join me each week as I feature compelling interviews with industry educators and leaders and inspirational success stories from my fellow beauty biz practitioners. Stay tuned for some powerful beauty biz inspiration. everybody and welcome to the Beauty Biz Show. I'm your host, Lori Cree, and today I'm really excited to introduce you to a good friend of mine, Beverly Hills plastic surgeon, Dr. Mark Mani. How are you, Doc? I'm great. Thanks, Lori. Good to talk to you. Nice to talk to you, too. I was thinking back last night. We met kind of right when we both were entering the Beauty Biz world. Mm-hmm. We did, yeah. That was, uh, I think we, we did that infomercial together back in, uh, uh, what was it, 2004? Yeah, Victoria and, uh, Principles. Victoria, the Principal Skincare Line, yes. And uh, yeah, I've always uh, loved keeping in touch with you, and I know you know all about the best and brightest trends in beauty. So it's great to talk to you finally. I know. We need to catch up. And actually, it was even before we did the infomercial, you were the Botox doctor at the first spa I ever worked at out in La Cañada. Mm-hmm, that's right. And <laughs> Dr. Phil show came, right? That one time? Yeah, yeah. And um, Were you there? I don't think I was there for that, but we were always yeah. doing something crazy at that spa. I remember I would show up for yeah. work with like my hair not even really done and, <laughs> and the owner would go, okay, well today the news is coming in, so you better get right. ready to be interviewed. Right, right. No, that was, yeah, I still watch that in my, uh, in my practice in Dubai. They have a closed circuit TV in the waiting room with the, uh, you know, history of TV appearances and that's one of them. So I get to watch that Botox party um, in perpetuity. 
Well, you actually de-virginized me to Botox. I don't know if you know that. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Okay. You were well, my first injector. <laughs> finally, you tell me. No, that always comes out later. <laughs> you didn't realize what a, what a role you had yeah. in someone's life, but I've, <laughs> that makes me very happy. I want to. And you're thank still you. going straight. You still use it. I assume. Oh, I do, and I would be coming to your place in Beverly But you're Hill. cheating on me because you're know. going somewhere else. <laughs> I am cheating that's on you. That's the only you. thing. And I'll tell you why. Because most of my time off is in Palm Springs, so it's. Oh, hard. that's right. Yeah. Right. I, right. Yeah. I, I've been going and seeing somebody out here, but mm-hmm. I want to thank you because I know you're a super busy guy, and you always show up for me, and I appreciate sure. you taking time today to be here. So. Sure. Sure. I have so many questions for you. Yes. First of all, what does the life of a Beverly Hills plastic surgeon look like today? What are you going to do? As much as you can tell me without breaking uh, your code yeah, I can tell you it's a long schedule. Um, you know, I think I told you I'm booking every 15 minutes up until 9 o'clock tonight. This, today's not a surgery day. So today I have uh, this talk with you, and then in my office I have um, just patients, new patients, uh, like four or five new patients and probably five or six follow-ups. And then after that, something interesting, which I believe I told you about, uh, we're preparing for an event at my office tomorrow night, which involves a hair clinic uh, owner from uh, Denmark who has a very exciting proprietary formula for hair growth, actually more for women than for men, and it's a topical treatment. He has tens of thousands of happy clients. He takes care of a lot of royalty, a lot of VIPs in both those other countries, and he's going to have a presence in my office. So that's what we're doing tonight, meeting for dinner with him. And uh, his name is Lars, and he, it's called the Heart Clinic. And so, you know, I'm very surgical, Lori. I, I do fillers and Botox, but not, not in excess. You know, I like patients with natural beauty like you. They're always, one of my mentors always told me the patient you want to operate on is someone who's already beautiful. And you want to make sure that they stay natural. Um, and uh, I take care of a lot of actresses and have gotten a reputation for especially facelift, facial rejuvenation surgery. And so when it's time to do it, the, the best way to do it is sometimes by lifting the deeper tissues instead of overfilling the face. So that's, uh, that, that's my practice. So I don't have a huge number. I guess the thing that led me to that is I don't have a huge number of follow-ups in general because I just have a kind of like two or three facelifts a week, and that's, uh, that's a lot. So when I first met you, you were doing a lot of breast reconstruction. So you've mm-hmm. kind of transitioned out of that over the years, or is that still part of your practice? Not out of it. Like I, tomorrow I have a breast revision case, actually a pretty complicated breast lift. So I mean, I like things that are artistic because I went into the field of plastic surgery because I could always draw and paint and have a pretty you know, precise artistic eye. So breast lifts in particular, breast lift revision, I enjoy doing. Um, just facelift surgery is something that I've devoted a lot of passion to and my kind of heart and soul to perfecting it. And so that's, I, I haven't really deliberately transitioned out, but then at the same time, one of the first things that Neil Handel told me when I was moving here, he was my former partner, was that in, in Beverly Hills, you can't just be the plastic surgery guy. You have to be the nose guy, the face guy, the breast guy. And while that's not always true, it's, it, makes, it makes your life easier. You know, if you can focus on one thing and it makes your results better, I think, so that's, that is sort of the way things have gone. Do you find that people investing in plastic surgery are getting younger and younger? Yes, I think so. I mean, I think it's, that's been a trend for a while. Uh, I think that, you know, the techniques that we have are, are apply more to younger people. And, you know, obviously fillers and Botox are things that people can start early sort of for maintenance. Um, you know, I always tell people, like the, you know, I think the, the general age trend is that women in particular will start thinking about Botox you know, sometimes in L.A. in their 20s, which I think is too early, but 30s and then upper eyelids sometimes become uh, something they, they complain about in the mid to late 30s. 
the earliest I'll do kind of a mini facelift or what I call a, a composite, total composite flap facelift is the name I've given it. Is uh, in the early 40s, most likely. I used to do it late, late 30s, but I think it's one that it's, it's very subtle, um, but it can be preventative. And so that's, that's usually when I do that. And, um, but yeah, in general, we've, you know, I have people coming in and they're in their twenties for Botox sometimes. And if you do it really in moderation, it can be, it can be really, you know, kind of a preventive thing. So I remember sitting at dinner with you one night, this was a few years ago. And you said there seems to be one, like one year in a woman's life where her face totally changes. <laughs> right. <laughs> and is that in your forties, right. you think? Like, cause I'm seeing it in my late forties, yeah. mid forties. Your face has always been very tight. I mean, I haven't, you have great bone structure, and uh, so I'd, I'd have to see you. I haven't seen you in a little while, but I, I doubt your face is, is uh, changing that much. But, you know, it all varies. I think one of the things that happens first is the brows in a lot of women. The brows, uh, you know, the forehead kind of droops a little, uh, but that varies. It all depends on anatomy and genetics. But it is true that people notice, like, it could be a stressful year or there could be really no reason things just sort of, you know, go south a little bit in a, within the period of a year. Even sometimes you notice after a few months. Yeah. That, that's true. So uh, I'm curious, back to, I just did get an invitation to your event tomorrow night, which sounds oh, exciting, good. but let me ask you, hair loss for mm-hmm. women, how would you market that? Is it a marketing thing where it's different, or does he have something? No, that- it's, 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 it's scientifically different. He won't even tell me. I mean, he's, he's a brilliant guy. He has a doctor working for him that does hair transplants, but most of his work is non-surgical, topical, very individualized to the patient. So it's not really something you can bottle and put on the shelves. It's a really specifically tailored formula, and it all depends on the type of hair loss and they do a you know detailed kind of microscopic analysis of the hair follicles and the skin history and the skin quality. So you know I don't know that much about it. I don't really I don't want to know right now because I know that he, it works because I've seen the before and after pictures. Marketing and you know, he doesn't really do you know other than having had a lot of media coverage, uh, he doesn't really actively advertise. It's just sort of the word is spread with happy clients, which is the way the best way organically because then you know what you're doing works. And is his practice in Denmark, and he's going to be having a spot in your office? It's oh, Yes, it's Denmark, and um, yeah, he has an office in Denmark. He has an office in Tampa, and he wants to move from Tampa. He just ended up in Tampa initially. So, he, you know, he, he does want to you know, kind of brand himself in the Beverly Hills market because then you get a more of a worldwide draw, obviously. So that's, that's his plan, and he'll just bring patients in, and then I'll see them and be able to take care of their... Uh, you know, facial and cosmetic surgery needs. So I want to ask you, I know that you, your main office is in Beverly Hills. How did you end up and are you still even doing stuff in Dubai? Is that a regular practice for you? It is. Uh, I go there, um, yeah, a few times a year and I became, you know, probably one of the busiest plastic surgeons in the Middle East within a few months of doing How did it, you get five this? years ago. Uh, a friend of mine uh, who's a facial plastic surgeon who's very well known, Jason Diamond, had had it set up because there's an office there that they wanted to have, like the Hollywood plastic surgeons come up and build you know, kind of a, a group practice. And so I was the third person, I was the second person he called, uh, and I ended up, you know, it really took off. And uh, it's been great. I mean, the most reason I did it is I like to travel, and I like the idea of seeing the attitudes of different cultures about beauty and plastic surgery. That's been really fascinating. And, you know, here I do primarily facial rejuvenation, facelifts, and and there I do mostly other things. So it keeps the variety up for me without infringing on my kind of name for facelifts here. 
a lot of breasts, a lot of tummy tucks, you know, the mommy makeovers and those type of things I do over there. That's what I was going to ask you. Are there different trends going on over there? And are they ahead of us? Are they behind us? I know there's so much money that yeah. anything yeah, goes. That's, uh, yeah, there's a lot of money, but the reason that they had us come over there is that we're definitely ahead of them. Um, okay. You know, as far as the you know, lasers are a little dicey there because the skin types that don't respond, you can have a lot of complications with the Middle Eastern skin. So I don't even recommend anyone for laser treatments there. I don't have, you know, I have no people that have laser spas, but they're fine for the expats and the Europeans that we take care of there. But I would be, you know, hesitate to do uh, those laser treatments on Middle Eastern skin. Uh, but there's really nothing really in that area of the world that they're ahead of us on. They, they, but, but one thing that you may say they're ahead of us on is that they love plastic surgery as much or more than we do. <laughs> and it's kind of, you know, it's, a, it's an irony because they got their burkas on and, and all that, and then the, and Jason has said this too in the media that, and that I noticed this. They're a lot more likely to want to have a facelift or a rhinoplasty, and without even batting an eye, that women that come in with their burkas, their faces covered, but they're still human, so they still have you know human need to feel better about themselves, to feel younger, because you know they still look in the mirror, and presumably when they do that, they take their burqa off, so they can see themselves, and that's you know it's a as long as it's done in moderation, it's a nice way to to feel better. Let me ask you a question. This just popped into my mind. Do you find that they look younger than we do here because they're not exposed to all the elements when they're wearing a burqa? That's a good question because, you know, their skin is going to look younger in the sense of it's already a little darker. So it's not going to, the skin aging is not as much of an issue as it can be here because lighter skin is thinner and more vulnerable to the sun, which is why Nordic Russian, you know, populations will age quicker in the skin. Um, the deeper aging issues are more dependent on genetics. I think Russian genetics, the, the deeper tissues age quicker. You know, if you look at young Russian women, their skin faces are usually tight, and then as they get into middle ages, it really droops. Now, that may have more to do with lifestyle and weight management. But, Maybe some um, vodka thrown in there. <laughs> a little bit of vodka thrown in, which, you know, that, uh, who doesn't mind that? You've got to have fun. <laughs> uh, right, right. Exactly. That'll keep you young, and, you know, again, in moderation. But yeah, they they um, in the Middle East, I, I would say mostly they don't age as well. But I think a lot of that is just because they're just now, you know, importing us and and over there and having more attention to skincare and more attention to beauty. Now, are there acne problems over there like we're having here? I find it to be an epidemic recently in my oh, practice yeah. anyway. Yeah, you know, they say that like the hormones in the meat are making girls have their periods earlier. And maybe the, all those things kind of have, I think things, additives in our food probably have a role in that. And the earlier you're in puberty, the more you know years you have to get acne. I haven't noticed that there as much. I don't think they have as much of a problem with acne. I think it's, again, just genetic. I think it's, you know, I, I haven't seen that as much. Every now and then I'll have a kid come in with acne, scarring, and things like that. But, you know, we haven't. I know there's a dermatologist that works there. I don't think they've had, you know, a huge busy practice with that type of thing. Interesting. Well, do you have lasers in Beverly Hills in your practice? I do. You know, I have an infrared tightening Lux IR by Palomar. Uh, I have a fractional laser also, and uh, I have IPL laser hair removal. I, I don't have a hugely busy practice of that because I usually refer more complicated laser things out to you know, a fellow uh, a dermatologist um, in town, Simon Orion, does takes care of a lot of my laser needs because it's just one of those things you want to focus on. And so that's that's usually what I do. The last time I was in your practice, you were on Sunset Boulevard and you had a big spa attached. I know you've moved. 
I don't know how long how long ago did you Have you, you not move? been to my new office? I have not been to your new office. Oh good. Okay, but you're coming tomorrow, right? I'm hoping to. I'm in the middle okay. of a move in Palm Springs and okay. redecorating my spa in LA. Oh, it I just see. depends what appointments I have okay. set up for when. Okay, okay, cool. Well, yes, I, I my office now is very different. You know, it's kind of geared towards the VIP clientele with the you know, um, secured entry, um, you know, with a keypad. It's all white, pristine, clean. I have my artwork hanging up on the walls, and it, there's no spa. I do have a uh, a naturopath kind of chiropractor from the UK uh, who has a room in my office and takes care of her patients there. She's on tour with a lot of you know rock stars and actors and things a lot of the time. But when she's in town, she's in my office, so it's a, a much different environment. I know. I just decided that I don't want to have the storefront medical spa, and I'll I'll leave that to people that specialize in that work and I and you know esthetician and everything else too I refer out oh that's mm-hmm. cool now who does your injections do you have a nurse in the office I, I have a nurse but I do my own injections you know it's just not I just like to focus on surgery and so if patients want me to do injectables I'll do them but I just have kind of I'll do what, what I uh, I'm going to do because it's it's an art you know so I I like to do it patients get used to the way I do it and um, I don't really want to have all the reality stars coming in to get pumped up with Jupiter, and that's not that that's not my style. I don't think it looks good. I think it's kind of unnatural. Uh, I like fat transfer, though. I like you know. I think that's one of the things that when you're asking about what are the latest trends, that's the most probably the most exciting area as far as what I do. What does that look like? Do you have to have it taken out and then do you put it right back in, or where do you take? What does that exactly. look like? Exactly, you take it usually like everyone, even thin people like you, although like, you may not have it, but have. A little bit of fat in the flank area, just sort of, you know, the area of the lateral, the side of the abdomen, uh, because the body wall is shaped like an inverted cone. And so there's more fat there than you would think even in a thin person. So we take it from there. You don't need a huge amount. And just kind of sculpturally uh, inject it into the face with minimal time outside the body. That's one of the keys. You don't expose it to air. We don't mess with it and centrifuge it and do all those things that we used to. Um, there are people that are adding platelet-rich plasma, which you draw uh, blood for, and you separate out the plasma platelet level layer for the growth factors. But the other thing that's exciting, I just got back from uh, Mexico where I was lecturing at the Mexican Society of Plastic Surgery. That's one of the things about traveling is you learn new trends. And one of the things that's exciting is that, I mean, in the way I, I like to see proof of something. And so I didn't really believe in the vampire facelift. It's sort of, you know, negligible and no, there's no real proof and it didn't really last that long but but when I saw um, PRP and some things uh, growth factors injected for hair loss and then you see the after pictures where someone's bald spot is gone um, that was that was pretty moving for me and that you know moved me in the direction of of doing these things more and so one of the things I'm doing is taking fat out and then r- not centrifuging it but really uh, diluting it or just kind of manipulating it between two syringes to where it's really dilute and it won't clump and then I use a tiny needle to inject it in just little spots in the face and it kind of has an effect of you know rejuvenating the skin and the growth factors in the fat really make you look younger it brightens the skin evens out skin tone and then you can add volume with a deeper fat with a larger cannula larger needle and so that, that's something I think it's it's simple but it doesn't involve all the processing it's natural it comes from your own body I just talked to a friend of mine who's a plastic surgeon in Miami Randy Miller and he's traveling around the world educating non-plastic surgeons on how to draw out fat, how to harvest fat, because they're finding that it's the stem cells and growth factors in, in adipose tissue or fat tissue that really have the most effect on healing musculoskeletal pain and joint problems. 
And when all this was coming out on, initially on the market, oh, you know, Tiger Woods had stem cell injections or whatever into his joints, I thought it was all a bunch of BS. Um, maybe he tried it, maybe it worked for him, but there's no real proof. But there really is, you know, there are studies coming out that prove it, and fat is the best source of it. So it stands to reason that it's going to help for cosmetic issues as well. So that's a pretty exciting area in, in the field right now. Who knew love handles would actually have a beneficial use? Right, right. Don't, don't go to the gym too many times a week. <laughs> if you want to look young in the use, face. You want to use that fat, right, exactly. Well, that's exciting. Now, I, you mentioned before your, your thing is not just injecting people full of Juvederm. Do people still get Juvederm? It seems like that was oh God, almost yes. passe. So that's still a, a popular thing. Just look at the singers on TV. A lot of them are doing it. Um, I'm not very enthusiastic about the trends because uh, other than the fact that once it goes away, if they've had that much in their cheeks, they're going to need a facelift because it blows up the face. Um, but I just think, you know, for entertainers, your face, the purpose of your face is to express your emotions and yourself. So when you put all this filler between your muscles and your skin, it makes you less expressive and yet it makes you look better maybe in a selfie. But it doesn't really make you look better face-to-face. When you're, when you're talking to someone in person, it makes you look kind of artificial. So, but yeah, people are doing it. And, um, you know, it's driven by the, the companies that make it and the doctors that don't know how to do surgery or fat transfer because it's easy money for them. But like anything, it's an art. You know, it's a sculptural art. And so it's one of those things that you have to at least go to someone that knows how to sculpt it and do it in a subtle way. What's your opinion on this? I have a doctor friend that tells me if I keep getting Botox, my skin's going to fall off my face. Does it separate the muscle from the bone? Are they showing any studies that prove that? Botox doesn't. No, not as far as I know. There wouldn't be any reason to think that. It does weaken the muscle over time in a good way in the sense that, you know, it takes away some of the, the worry lines, uh, the negative expressions. Um, I think you don't want to overdo it because even with, you know, with actresses and non-actresses and actors, you, you know, you have to do it in a way where they can still express themselves and can still look, you know, worried or mean if they have to. And so, but I don't, I don't know of any studies that show that it separates it from the bone. Maybe filler will a little bit, but not, not Botox. Okay, so now moving on to my next question. My friend Pam called me yesterday. Mm-hmm. And, and that's good news about Botox, by the way, because I am addicted. But my that's friend called and said she was listening to the radio in Phoenix and she heard something like 40% of breast reductions are now being done by male clients. Have you noticed an increase in your plastic surgery in the male department? Yeah, I mean, I'm not really the bre- male breast reduction specialist, typically <laughs> male, you know, and I'm not unhappy about that. But I've, I have noticed an, an increase in male clients in general. Men are more in tune, uh, you know, especially in this area, to looking good. And so for facelifts, eyelids, you know, noses, men are more, more often coming in. But that is true. I mean, I think it's a lot of it is awareness. I mean, you can have a teenage boy who has large breasts, and they'll be suicidal because they get made fun of in the locker room. And, you know, it's really, really devastating. And then you, that to, to reverse that, you really change someone's life. And it's usually just liposuction. It's, it's called gynecomastia. So I don't, wouldn't say that 40% or more of our breast reductions are done by men, but, but it's, it's definitely more than there used to be. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting statistic. And I've mm-hmm. seen some of your works. I know you've done some celebrity, male celebrities, on, and mm-hmm. it's been publicized on TV you do a really great job, but I think a lot of men, when they get plastic surgery, look bizarro. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all about not so much plastic surgery. It's, you know, plastic surgery isn't like a, a can of soup. It's not like it's the same everywhere you go. 
it's different. It's an art. So doing it in, in male patients especially is, requires a lot of subtlety, a subtle eye, and, you know, making sure that, yeah, that you don't make it obvious. So that leads people to say, oh, plastic surgery looks fake. Well, you know, I can show you pictures of patients that, for example, have had um, more than one actress who I've done a facelift on at the age, appropriate age, you know, late 40s, early 50s. And after the facelift, they get asked to, to be the, the spokesperson for one of the big filler companies because they think they look so good and they, they look just like they've had good filler maybe. And, um, you know, it's a little annoying to me because I know why they look good and I'm obviously not going to say anything, but that's, I just find that interesting. And... Um, for, but definitely for men, you got to be really careful. I think the last time we talked, you were speaking for maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, Johnson & Johnson. There was mm-hmm. a new ultrasonic mm-hmm. scalpel type thing that mm-hmm. you were using in surgery. Yeah, the, it's harmonic uh, ultrasonic scalpel. And it was something that Johnson & Johnson, they've been using for a long time for different types of surgery, urologic surgery and other things. And there was a surgeon in France whose husband was a urologist, and he saw her doing a facelift and saw how bloody it was. The harmonic just stops the bleeding as you're, as you're cutting. And so I used it for facelifts. Um, Johnson & Johnson kind of pulled their marketing of it for plastic surgery just because it was actually in 2008 when the economy kind of collapsed, so they didn't want to spend the money marketing it, which was fine. I've actually changed my technique to a different kind of tissue plane. I don't raise up as much skin. I don't pull on skin as much or at all, really. So it's all under the muscle, which doesn't bleed if you're in the right area. It's not going to bleed. So I don't really use harmonic as much as I used to. But I like to, you know, I always like to keep and keep abreast of trends, and so that's that was an exciting thing that, you know, I think it helped. And I still, I should say, I still will use it in male patients because they bleed more, okay. and so it's just an easier way to prevent complications like bleeding complications. Now I don't want to keep you on the phone all day because I know mm-hmm. you're super busy. But tell me, I what want do you, you to? <laughs> you don't want to go to work? <laughs> no, I don't want to. Please, yeah. What no, do I you... do, but I want to keep talking. Well, yeah, I mean, I want to hear all the scoop. Are you? What do you do for fun? Are you still playing tennis? Are you coming out here this yeah. week? It's the BMP tennis uh, tournament. In fact, I am. Uh, my daughter's in town, and I think Heather and I are going to come out there with her to see the tennis. So, yeah, I play I play every a couple times a week with a pro here. I've kind of tailored back my competitive urge for tennis because I, I you know, just didn't get into it as much. After a while, I just got too busy to really focus on it, but... Uh, but yeah, I'm coming out. I'm excited about that. I just started playing tennis. I had no clue how frustrating it was. Mm-hmm. But it's I figured yeah. all my friends in Palm Springs, if I even want to have a conversation with them, I need to know what's going oh, okay. on in the world of tennis. So I think yeah. Jay and I are going to head over there as well. Okay. Okay, good. Well, let's let's meet up. I'm, I'm go- I think I'm coming Saturday. Cool. Well, I, I so appreciate you spending the time on the phone with me today. And I, I hope I can make it tomorrow night because this sounds really interesting. Yeah. And when I saw the email, I'm like, what the heck is this? I had no clue it would be hair replacement. Or- it's exciting. I mean, I'm even excited to learn about it because, like I tell you, he's kind of secretive. But it definitely works. So for me, the proof is in the pictures and seeing the videos. But, yes, I hope you can make it and uh, meet him. And, and there's going to be a lot of other people there, people from the media. So it'll, it'll be a good event. Okay. That sounds exciting and fun. Have an awesome day. And I look forward to seeing you soon in person. Thank you, Lori. Me too. Okay, Mark. Take care. Thanks for tuning in to the Beauty Biz Show. I hope this episode leaves you feeling inspired to live beautifully. If you'd like a copy of my free report, Six Simple Strategies to Generate a Dramatic Increase in Your Beauty Biz Income, and fill your appointment book with valuable clients, please visit www.lauricrete.com or if you'd like to book an appointment at my spa in Los Angeles, please visit www.thespa10.com. 
Thanks again for tuning in to The Beauty Biz Show. 